We are all ocean. Take a deep breath right now. 70% of the oxygen you just inhaled comes from the ocean, from tiny plants some 400 million years ago. And 70% of our Earth is ocean, and yet only 10% of it has been explored. So today I want to share with you how the ocean can foster a greater sense of well-being and connection. Water memories are some of our most powerful. We experience the world and comprehend it through our senses. And the sea especially is, leaves a powerful imprint on our body-mind. So it's such a multi-sensory experience which is so important for our health. And wave-exposed coastlines release negative ions, believed to alter our biochemistry, lowering our cortisol, and lighting up our mood. And that's before we even dive into it. This concept of water environments as therapeutic is nothing new. And in Victorian times, doctors even prescribed seaside holidays for respite and recovery from illness. So our bodies are literally shaped and formed by water. We have an ocean inside us. Like planet Earth, we are 70% salt water. Like our mammalian cousins, dolphins, we too have evolutionary aquatic markers. Amniotic fluid is the same density as seawater. Our mammalian dive reflex slows our heart rate when we enter the sea. Our hearts mirror the circulatory system of the ocean. And in the words of Sylvia Earle, planet Earth is actually a beating blue heart. We depend utterly on this blue heart for our survival, development, and well-being. It connects us all. Welcome back to the second series of InspireFest, the podcast. I'm Anno D. I'm the founder of InspireFest, which takes place in Dublin every summer over three days. In this series, you get to hear the conversations backstage between Claire O'Connell and Shauna Boyle and some of our speakers. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not come along and meet us in real life in Dublin? Every year we have attendees from about 40 countries. You simply book your tickets at inspirefest.com. It's our fifth birthday in 2019, so we wanted to do something nice for our podcast listeners. So we've created a discount code just for you. Go to inspirefest.com and enter the code INSPIREPOD19. It's time to crack on with this episode, but before we do, I just want to take a moment to thank the Digital Hub for being our anchor sponsor once again for this series of InspireFest, the podcast. The spark for InspireFest grew out of our home here at the Digital Hub four years ago, so it's a pretty fitting partnership. The Digital Hub is based in the Liberties in the heart of Dublin City. It's a collaborative space and it's home to lots of technology and digital media companies, but it's more than just an office. Why not visit thedigitalhub.com to find out more? Now, let's get on with this episode. Hello, I'm Claire O'Connell, and in this episode of the podcast, you'll hear my chat with Eski and Becky Finn Britton backstage at InspireFest 2018. Eski and Becky Finn are sisters from Donegal. They're both surfers, and their careers are connected with the sea. Eski has a PhD in Environment and Society and she does some really interesting research with NUI Galway on nature-based solutions to health and well-being. She also may have been the first woman to surf in Iran in 2010 and she's returned many times to teach local women and girls how to surf. Becky Finn is part of the Clean Coasts team working to protect Ireland's beaches, seas and marine life. Clean Coasts is a programme run by Antashka 
and organises hundreds of beach cleanups annually, mobilising thousands of volunteers to remove litter from our coastline. Here's the conversation I had with Iski and Becky Finn. Okay, I'm uh, Iski Britton and I'm Becky Finn Britton's sister <laughs> from Donegal. <laughs> Uh, I'm Becky Finburton, Eastkey's sister from Donegal, <laughs> if we're going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so uh, the two of you were speaking today at InspireFest and the common theme is the ocean. So you each have kind of an individual and, and different relationship with the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Finn, maybe we can start with you. Uh, you're interested in, in sort of helping to, uh, to reduce pollution in the ocean. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough, um, kind of, well, I suppose my whole um, journey started as a young kid looking at the rubbish on my local beach and doing a report about it for school and it's kind of built from there. Um, My background is actually digital media and all my projects uh, involved the sea. I think I'd run my lecturers crazy in the end. Um, And then that evolved into me working on the Clean Coast programme in the Environmental Education Unit and that's all about protecting our waterways, beaches, seas and marine life so it was perfect fit and a big part of what we do is real grassroots movement with communities uh, looking about what they want to tackle and what issues they're seeing in their community because they really are the best to know that and then creating a network of them so they can actually have a national voice then when it comes to looking at it in a kind of uh, Ireland-wide response then. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of where, where I've come from and all of that. And can you tell us what happens in one of these cleanups? Like, do, do you get groups of people together to go along the beaches or do people do this sort of by themselves while they're out walking on the beach? How does it work? Uh, both ways, actually. So we have groups that get together on a regular basis, usually at least monthly, and they get together and they do cleanups and they invite anyone in the community who wants to come along to, to go and do it. Um, and then we also have people who are out nearly every day that are picking up bits of rubbish while they're walking the dog or down with the kids or any of this kind of stuff. So you're really getting it from all angles. And it's just a great um, social event as well. Like I find it really brilliant to be able to go along and have something in common with everybody to talk to. And you get this really diverse group of people across the community from um, older farmers to uh, younger people who are you know, they're kind of with the hashtags and take photographs of it to spread the word on social media. So you're really getting it from kind of across the board. There's so many people who are obviously really aware, especially in Ireland, we're an island nation, that, you know, our coast is really important part of who we are and we need to protect it. I love that, everybody working on a very common and, and literally backyard problem, which is global, but, you know, you can do your own bit in, in your backyard. Let's talk about the nitty gritty of what you actually pick up on these these cleanups. Mm. I mean, can you what can you tell from the rubbish that comes off the beaches? Yeah, well, we're kind of finding a lot of common items. So that involves the plastic water bottle, bottle caps, um, fishing litter, um, all of these kind of things, and things like plastic bags, which we kind of brought in. You know, the whole kind of levy in Ireland. We're starting to see a reduction of them on the Irish coast. We're also finding litter that's coming from all around the world. Um, a woman down in Kerry who regularly do, does beach combing finds uh, stuff from Maine in America on a regular basis, whatever way the currents work between here and there. Um, so it's really, you're getting global. Um, you can also find retro rubbish. You can find rubbish that's like really old. Um, we found recently, I don't know more, a fairy liquid bottle that had 69.5p written on it as the price. And I don't remember half these in my lifetime at least. 
But yeah, so we're finding this kind of stuff. And then there's a kind of worrying um, kind of category of litter that we're finding on a regular basis now, which is uh, kind of sewage-related litter. So this is wet wipes, cotton bud sticks, these kind of items that people are flushing down the toilet or things like this here, because we're not kind of maybe thinking about like what happens to it when, when we do that. And that's what the kind of Think Before You Flush campaign is about as well, to try and help tackle that. So we've got kind of, we've got quite a few campaigns as well to kind of help tackle it before we get there. So surfing is a, a family affair. Tell us how that grew for you, Iski. Um, yeah, I think it's, so yeah, I'm definitely lucky in terms of the nature of my birth being in Donegal and Rasnala, one of the, I guess one of the best beaches to learn how to surf and that was really my playground, it was on our doorstep, but it's also where my, my dad grew up with his brothers um, and he started surfing in the 60s by age 12, um, he's one of five boys, um, his grand, or my grandparents had the hotel on the beach and um, they kind of got into it before surfing was really a thing so definitely the pioneers in, in the northwest of Ireland when it comes to surfing um, and that was just an interesting it's interesting how you know trends and knowledge and ideas kind of got passed it got passed along then when there was like no internet and you couldn't google how to surf or no access to equipment no surfboards or wetsuits um, but my grandmother traveled at the time as well she was promoting tourism in Ireland in, in the 60s which I guess was quite pioneering too um, ended up in California as you do um, for fall to Ireland and she was a hotelier um, but she ended up in Malibu again it's the 60s so it's the height of that sort of you know modern surf culture Gidget there's that whole popular scene there and she looked at her hotel window I remember her telling me um, not long before she passed away how she always remembered like looking out the hotel window of Malibu um, and thinking wow God, we've, I've got waves like that <laughs> in front of uh, the hotel at home in Rasnala and they're, they're, maybe they're even better um, and so she somehow I don't know the details managed to get a, a couple of boards back into Ireland um, to the hotel but I'd imagine her intention was more to have it as like a for tourists or to have up as memorabilia on the wall um, but then you know when you have got five sons and these things arrive uh, <laughs> there was no looking back and just growing up I suppose with those stories like dad's so passionate about it he's done it his whole life and we still surf with him and he's in his 60s now um, so there's that like bond in terms of the family connection with the sea um, experiencing that kind of environment in a really positive playful way of playful way I guess from an early age as an influence um, and then that exploration part like we would travel and we how we would explore new places would be through the sea and surf and understanding about different waves and different places and then the meeting of people so I see now how all those things have really influenced what we're doing today yeah and tell us a bit more about how you have used surfing to empower women in other parts of the world um, yeah, I'm not sure surfing is always so good at empowering women, um, <laughs> but it does have tremendous potential. Um, so I'm, I was interested because I'd you know been competing professionally, um, traveling around the world. So from my from my teenage years into my early twenties, um, and also witnessing a lot of that, I suppose, uh, more shadow side of something like that, where you're in this sort of corporate industry and it's highly commercialized and there's pressure to perform, but also conform to being a certain way, surfing a certain, certain way, looking a certain way, and always being aware of the inequalities when it came to um, 
just just the basics like there are for sport across the board for women but in terms of that that lack of mentorship um sponsorship and uh financial support um as as a woman so it's just a real struggle and challenge and then the a lot of issues around just portraying surfing in one way so you had to be you know in a warm water sunshine bikini uh you know i grew up in like the northwest of ireland and freezing cold atlantic cover from head to toe in you know i don't know an inch of neoprene and <laughs> it's not very glamorous you know when you're getting blasted with hailstones in your face and uh there was no representation again we've talked about speakers have talked a lot about that here at inspire fest in particular like taylor um and recognizing yeah there's that real need for a more diverse representation of who surfs and why we surf and celebrating that so long long story short i guess through through my my travel to more offbeat places i ended up going to somewhere like iran um and that was a real eye-opener because there i realized oh wow there's women already doing amazing things in sport there um something like surfing hadn't opened up yet by the nature of kind of geographically where it's situated in the country um Again, it's interesting how things get portrayed, but it's this borderland next to Pakistan is where the, the part of the coast that's exposed to ocean waves. So it just wasn't a it destination for most people anyways, <laughs> even within Iran. Uh, but it, that's incredible how it's changed. I first went in 2010 with French filmmaker Marion Poiseau, and we just did a really short kind of um, piece that ended up on YouTube. And that was the catalyst because it's such a young, young urban kind of... Um, popular sort of youth culture in in somewhere like Tehran and they'd snowboard loads skateboard wakeboard like they're into all this action board sports because I think they're kind of counterculture and you can portray yourself in a different way so some of the women picked up on on this guess that amazing mix of the possibility of surfing in a place like that and they invited myself and Marion kind of to come back and, and let's give it a go together experiencing what it would be like as women to surf in Iran um, so we didn't know what to expect and never happened before no one was surfing there so this is also the story of how surfing started in Iran and how the surf Iran surf history um, is very shaped by women so not many countries in the world I think can say that that's pretty cool and that was 2013 we went back to capture it we filmed a documentary because I also spoke about uh, today the importance of having of creating these new stories and experiences to show how other ways are possible. Um, so that was that was amazing. And fast forward five years, um, I was just on the phone with Sitari, one of the women I, I first taught to surf, and she's really actively involved with the newly established like Iranian Surfing Association, so it's become a national sport. And they've just had their first junior championships. Um, and it's great to see the women are still actively involved in, in the sport of surfing. And it's not without its challenges, um, and, but we're, yeah, it's lovely to see that continue to evolve and grow in its own way, far beyond me, <laughs> me and my surfboard. Um, so you just have no idea of that ripple effect or consequence of your, your actions. And I think a lot of, and Becky mentioned it today too, of how the people we meet through these shared passions that we have. Um, is also really uh, inspiring because it can be really challenging <laughs> when you're facing these mega, mega issues. Surfing is a shared passion of yours mm -hmm. and you work in different areas. How, do you, how does surfing inform what you do? Well, I suppose for me, um, it's, it's important to be able to get out and actually enjoy the coastal environment. In my job, you can sometimes become so focused on all the issues that, that are being faced with the different issues of marine litter and coastal erosion and everything that's happening that 
you forget how amazing and beautiful our coast is and how much we benefit from it. So being able to go out surfing is a really fantastic way to reconnect and remember why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, so that's incredibly powerful. And I also find throughout my life, I've kind of uh, had ups and downs with my own mental health. Um, and spending time at the coast has not only just kind of helped my mental health, but also my physical health, breathing in all that sea air. My granny keeps telling me to do, actually does seem to work. <laughs> I've had a lot less sick, day, sick days than I had in the past. So that means I can do more of my work, which is also a great knock-on effect of, of spending time in the sea and by the coast and things like this here as well. And it does, it really helps to give you a chance to clear your head. There's something so calming about looking out at the ocean. And then there's just something so amazing about spending time out in the sea as well. Uh, getting that chance to be totally submerged in your natural environment is really powerful. Super. Wow. I, I, should, I should have gone first. <laughs> so everything, everything <laughs> Becky said, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I suppose to bring it more into like the surfing influence in terms of the scientific research I do, it's it's interesting one. Um, it definitely, as as Becky Finn said, I don't think I sort of cope, <laughs> survive sometimes, in academia and sometimes the intensity of the work I do if there wasn't that balance of surfing. Um, so it, it's just yeah that that feeling it has for personally in terms of um, my own mental health and mood and well being. And then now that I get to actually, my research focus is looking at that in depth, like what is it about the sea? What is it about being immersed in these environments that has an effect on it, on us? How does it alter us like physically, psychologically? Because um, I really feel like that's the way if we can better understand how much the ocean impacts our own sort of health and sense of well-being, then it's, it's a really powerful pathway to help create that connection and understanding and empathy that's needed as well as the awareness uh, for people to understand why the ocean matters. Because so often it's considered as something that's out there. Um, you know, even globally, we've only explored something like 10% of the ocean and most of planet Earth is actually ocean. So we're still very, you know, um, ignorant of, of understanding it. Um, but I think it's a powerful way to, to look connect people with it is, is through their own sense of health and then it's exciting to see um, I suppose some of the evidence back up what we we know and feel from being in, in the sea our whole lives um, and then the whole system it's not just so the other thing is too you think oh the ocean is out there we're not connected if, if you live inland um, but it's the entire system and cycle of water and our waterways and how it all returns to the ocean and is comp constantly sort of process of renewal um, so that's what I'm passionate about that's what lights me up and that's how I, I think our Ireland has massive potential as Becky said we're an island nation why aren't we more ocean literate why can't we be fluent in the language of the sea and it was amazing to hear I suppose Minister for Health Simon Harris spotlight that link as well between mental health and healthy seas and that's what we need in Ireland This is my first time here at Inspire Fest and I heard everyone saying it was different and exceptional but I didn't really believe them because a lot of people say that about a lot of conferences but I came here and the, the speakers are amazing and they touch on subjects that are very different uh, like accessibility 
LGBTQ and how to be more inclusive and diverse and it was really really amazing. I recommend it. Most conferences drive to have a diverse set of speakers. InspireFest truly does that. You've got people from all different communities on stage, 65% women, which is amazing. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the one thing that really inspires me. I love just the whole variety of different talks on various things. So sometimes there's things just come up that you don't expect and there's things maybe you weren't expecting to really like and they were really, really interesting. Well, I keep coming back as a third year. It's a, I love to hear stories and you know how people are making impact. It's very inspiring. It's really, really, really nice just to be in a place that's full of other passionate and enthusiastic people. Um, and I really find that I leave InspireFest with a lot more energy than I came with.